0: The following is a special sponsored edition of the Big Four Bio Podcast. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Big Four Bio Podcast. Life Science Nation, which has created a global partnering platform that includes an investor and licensing partner database, as well as an entrepreneurial education curriculum, helps startups prepare for their global roadshows. Each year, it holds five Redefining Early Stage Investments, or RESI, conferences to connect startups with early-stage investors and strategic channel partners. Resi is uniquely cross-border and cross-domain, connecting startups with global investors across drugs, devices, diagnostics, and digital health. Resi caters to the earliest-stage startups, those seeking grants, seed, and angel capital, and the early-stage firms seeking Series A and B funding. We spoke to Dennis Ford, founder and CEO of Life Science Nation, about the critical role of partnering conferences in today's financial environment, what entrepreneurs should look for to match the right events to their needs, and what they should do to ensure they get the most out of these events. Dennis, thanks for joining us. Hey, Dan, good to see you again. We're going to talk about partnering in the life sciences, the essential role partnering plays within the industry and how partnering conferences provide a critical opportunity to foster these interactions. What role would you say partnering plays in the life sciences generally? And given the difficult financing environment today and that we've had over the past few years, has the use of partnering intensified?
1: Yeah, those are those are all good questions. You know, the life science, healthcare, arena is extremely unique because most of the things that happen in life science start in academia. And when the scientist entrepreneur decides to see if they can commercialize or translate the technology, they get their tech transfer license, and then they head out into uh, the marketplace. And when they do that... um, they have to figure out what's the best way to, to, to gen up a company. And the thing that's interesting about the healthcare life science environment is that there is a whole industry of service providers that these scientist entrepreneurs can go to. So instead of ripping a company and trying to hire all these positions, they can go and find a service provider and they can do it project by project, milestone by milestone. And so that's been a really big differentiator in how the life science environment works. And they go to these conferences where service providers are there and they get to meet them uh, in droves. And a lot of time at these partnering conferences, they're actually seeing Uh, investors, uh, capital investors, and licensing partners and service providers. So it's kind of a one-stop shop. And that's pretty much, uh, you know, you can get these turnkey services from service providers. And so if you're an entrepreneur, you you head to these partnering conferences.
0: There's been a numbering of conferences that have emerged that are focused on life sciences. What Distinguishes one from another. What what makes a a given partnering conference valuable?
1: Yeah, you know, it's 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 really a good question, Danny. And the thing that's going on today is um, there are you know dozens and dozens of conferences happening every week around the world, and all of their messaging and all of their branding is really very similar, you know, come here and meet investors, come here and meet the pharma folks, come here and meet the med tech folks. And uh, they're all exactly the same messaging. And so if you're someone who's trying to figure out like, what is the best conference for me? uh, It can be a real challenge, but it basically breaks down to the value of a conference is all about the fit for the attendee. And I was looking at a conference this morning that was, you know, talking heads of every uh, major farmer and med tech companies, the CEOs are, you know, going to be there for a couple of day conference. And if you're a small uh, entrepreneurial company in the life science healthcare space, going to a big conference where you're going to uh, listen to CEOs talk about strategic directions and what's going on in the marketplace is great. But it's way down in their company <laughs> that the um uh, the gatekeepers, the navigators, the deal makers are all living and they're not gonna be at that type of conference. And so you really need to figure out how do I do my due diligence and fig in and, and understand what is the conference? Who is participating? Are these the type of people I want to meet? And so you can go in and you can Google these conferences and see what they did the year before and who the attendees were and go to their website and see who their speakers were. But a lot of times what I have found is they say they're investor conferences, they say they're partnering conferences, and when you go there, there's really not anybody that you can tell by their title, that's really a good fit for you. And then when you go to these conferences and you're seeing, you know, VP of business de- development, d- director of product strategy type um, titles on the, on, on the people that are showing up, then, you know, at least that, you know, you're, 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 you're getting warm with the, with the attendees that are going to be there. So you know, to me is really figuring out what's the fit about. And when you go out to, to buy a ticket, um, you know, these prices are really expensive. And, and, and you want to make sure if you're shelling out the bucks that you're not going to go there and listen to a, a people talk about trends and things that are going to be happening uh, in the future with FDA and compliance and clinical trials that you really want to find people who are talking about, you know, product pipeline and, and they're looking for uh, technology ath- assets in North America or whatever. Um, so getting the right conference can mean You're you're meeting people. You're meeting the right people. When you connect with them, they're really happy to find out that you're a startup and what stage you're at. They're really asking questions. They're really engaging with you. And when you're at the wrong conference, it's like you can't get a meeting (laughs) and you get a lot of no's and uh, the wrong conference can be a bust. So it's really important if you're an early stage company and you're not really familiar with the whole scene, the global international conference scene, to really take the time and investigate each one. Um, There's really good value that can be gotten at uh, partnering events. And, um, you know, how how do you measure one? If you go to an event and you go to hear people speak and the topics are great and the talking heads are dynamic and it's good, but when you go to a partnering event, you really want to get meetings. And so... You know, is there a way to put in your profile and get matched with the right uh, players that are a fit for your stage of development and your product? Uh, Do they have a way to match? Um, Are the people uh, that are going to be there people that you want to talk to that are on your list, that are on your target of people? And, you know, when you go to one of these conferences, you're not going to get a deal, and you're not going to get any money, and, uh, but, but what you're going to get is the beginning of a relationship. And uh, so how many meetings did you get? At those meetings, how many uh, said they want to meet again, they want to schedule a second meeting? How many people said they'd like you to sign an NDA so they can uh, have a more uh, in-depth conversation? How many people want to refer you to somebody they know saying, gee, you're not a fit for me, but there's a person in my organization. I really want to introduce you to. So those are the metrics to me that really matter about uh, you're not going to get a deal done on a, on a meeting, but you know, you can start a dialogue and that dialogue will start a relationship. And then that relationship can lead to a deal, but raising money, finding partnerships, There's only one way to cut it, and it's purely a numbers game. So you have to get out of the office. You've got to get out of the region. You've got to go to these conferences. But you judge your success of the conferences by really vetting the people who are going to be there and making sure they're a fit for you or somebody you want to talk to. And then when you go there, when you're recouping, uh, you know, when you're re- reevaluating, like, how did I do? It's not how many business cards I got. It's how many meetings did I get that were a fit
0: for me that either wound up with a referral, an NDA or a next meeting. People go into these conferences with great hope and expectations. What makes a bad conference? Where, where do people go wrong?
1: Yeah. You know, I think the, the theme continues is that if you get to the rear, if, if you get Understanding the theme of the conference, and then understanding who the audience is going to be, and for example, many big of, events are for late-stage companies with shipping products, and so you go to a you go as a startup to these events, and it's kind of a mismatch. And because you're early, you you know I uh, just said a little bit before you get a lot of no's when you're requesting meetings, and it's it's you know kind of similar to the situation when an early stage company looks at like the venture capital community and doesn't really understand that there's early stage venture capital, there's mid stage venture capital and late stage and the mid stage and the late stage are really trying to de-risk any of their investments. So going after them or conferences that are populated by them, isn't a good idea. You know, de-risking for some mid stage VCs is, you know, phase two B and De-risking for other late-stage VCs is—they want to give you growth and commercialization capital to scale your, to scale your, your marketing and sales and things like that. So, you know, really understand. And you know, when you go to partnering, I was at a partnering event that was uh, advertised really heavily as partnering. And then when you go to the event, there's nobody sitting in the partnering section. And so. You know, a lot of companies right now, a lot of conferences and events, they're really doing what I call "me too" partnering, uh, and that's an aspect. And because partnering is in vogue, uh, they have to do it. And so they go and get one of the partner pieces of partnering software that they're really not familiar with. They have you go use the partnering software. You don't wind up getting any meetings. You go into the partnering section, and there's there are empty seats and empty tables. And so that you know that that can be really difficult. Going to these partnering events and having meetings, you know, because it's a numbers game, it's going to ebb and flow. And you know, sometimes you're just in the in the doldrums, and no matter what you do and how hard you try, and wherever you go, it's you're just not getting enough meetings. And then other times, you know, it's bountiful, and you're hitting hitting on, on hitting on all cylinders, and things are going great. And and so you really have to take all these things into perspective. And then there's the other thing, which is, you know, the money they charge for these things is exorbitant. And, you know, really understanding, you know, the pricing options and how to get through the door and you know, maybe check out a conference. Uh so if you're gonna be doing a fundraising or partnering uh roadshow, you know, you have to get out every month or two uh into the market and going to one of these conferences. So um I'm always amazed when I go to a really big conference and you know I get herded into this uh this you know these roped areas where you know um there's kind of a fortress mentality and then you um they herd you around onto the main floor and then there's this big gigantic partnering thing and there's security guards at every entrance and there's a a, a walled fortress and they give you these bracelets and one bracelet means you can get food and other ones mean you can't. And a lot of these really big things seem to have become really uh, an Orwellian mindset. And I go there and I just think, you know, I'd hate to be a startup where you're just trying to fail your way through the industry and, and you're going to be starting this journey and you wind up at one of these big events. There's, you know, they're not friendly. Uh, they're, you know, like I said there's guards in front of the the partnering entrances so it's really difficult to to choose but you got to do your homework then
0: we we've had a chance to talk a little about resi in the past but for listeners not familiar with it can you talk a bit about how it came about what was the genesis of the resi partnering event
1: yeah you know I as I was just you know kind of uh, I'm not I don't mean to be complaining uh or more uh, 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 a satirist on my observations of the the partnering life science partnering, but um, i I started out Life Science Nation about twelve years ago, and i I wanted to basically create a, a life science database and so um, I had been raising money for hedge funds, venture funds, private equity, and real estate funds for about five years, so I knew all the different categories. And when I did my research, I came up with 10 categories of investors that uh, were a fit uh, for life science. And I would go to these partnering conferences all over the world and, you know, pay good money, travel uh, to Europe and Asia and other different places. And when I would go there, in my mind was to go meet investors, interview them and put in my database. Uh, What I found out that a lot of them, there was no investors there. Uh, So it was really frustrating. And I said, you know what, I have a database of investors. I can, uh, if I could figure out how to do 16 panels of five investors per panel, I could probably get like 80 investors at a conference. And so I just got stuck in my head that I I wanted to try it. So we, uh, you know, we're from Boston and we are in the middle of the middle of life science. And so um, our first, Conference, our first Resi conference, we did in downtown Boston, and we uh, actually did 16 panels. Got five investors per panel. had eighty I uh, had 80 on the panels, and another 70 showed up. So our first conference, we literally had 150 investors and 150 startup CEOs. And at the time, we were cross domain, uh, drugs, devices, diagnostics, and digital health. And um, it was super successful, and everybody was going like, We've never seen this many investors. And the split was equal to entrepreneur, scientist, entrepreneur, startup companies, and investors and licensing partners was 50 50. And most of these other conferences you go to, they're like, you know, maybe 10 or 20% of the attendees. But because we're a dedicated investor licensing partner conference, and because people from all over the world are really trying to get at North American assets. We really were able to get uh, Asian, European and North American uh, investors and licensing partners there. So that really made a big difference. And even today, it's exactly the same. It's still a
0: 50-50 ratio. So that really matters. What distinguishes the, the RESDI conference from other partnering conferences out there?
1: Yeah, yeah you know, I think it's first of all is that we're a dedicated conference, and so you really need to look at the metrics of the attendees who are going to these conferences. You know, a lot of them can get, you know, high-level people from a VC or a pharma or a med tech, and it's good that they're there and and, uh, able to speak and you're able to potentially meet with them but um what really matters is is the metrics like what's the ratio of investors and licensing partners to startups is it cross domain or is it dedicated to just your particular silo um, we've we've managed to keep the 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 50-50 uh ratio and then the second one is you know when because we own the database and we we got a hold of some partnering software which we've been using for over a decade we went to them and said you know we can fill out all of the investor and licensing partner profiles because one of the funny things about being a partnering event is that the investors and the life science folks they don't pay And which if you have a a ratio like mine of 50-50 can really affect the the bottom line. But the other thing is they typically don't fill out their profiles. And so if they don't fill out their profiles and you're going into a partnering system, everybody winds up spamming everybody because they can't really see what the other uh, person is looking for. And so we basically did two things early on We we figured out with our marketing partner how to get into our database and fill out all of the uh, profiles that all of the people would be uh, attending will have. So the startups come and they do a great job, pristine job, at filling out their profiles, but the investors and licensing partners, not so much. So we will go in and we will fill out their profiles, and then we created these uh, this algorithm for matching based on – uh, stage of development products uh, segment subsector and so we're able to go to a, a like the the event we're having on September eighteenth we'll probably have four hundred investors and four hundred uh, licensing of uh, uh, four hundred startups. And of those, maybe 100 of them are, are a fit for you. So you don't want to go reach out to 400. You want to reach out to the 100 that are a fit. And so with our matching software, you can uh, do your search. And because we fill out the profiles on, on the uh, buy side attendees, you'll get a really good list of people to go after. Um, so that's the matching aspect and, um, you know, less spamming, better matches equates to more deals. And then the third and most important one, Dan, is um, you can't, if you're raising money, it's more or less a full-time job for nine to 18 months. So you can't go to one or two events a year. You really got to get out of the office. You really got to get into the marketplace. You really have to uh, put yourself out there. And so, Early on, we said we're going to do five resis a year, which means every couple of months you can, you know, we start at JPM and then we uh, go to Boston and uh, we go to Europe and we go to Pac Rim. And so if you want to follow us around the world uh, every couple of months, go to a resi conference and see new investors and continue discussions with other uh, investors and partners that you've been to, that can be really helpful. So frequency of the Resi conferences, understanding who we are, what we do, uh, who who the players are. So if you're a seed, you know, up to 2 million in seed, if you're Series A, 2 to 10 million, Series B, 10 to 50 million, that's a really good fit for the resi environment and a really good fit for our conferences. And so the third most important thing is going to a conference like resi that you can go every couple of months and get the heck out the door. And sometimes out of your region into your, you know, the other parts of the U.S. or other parts of Europe or
0: out to the Pacific Rim. Uh, who should attend resi events? Whose needs are they designed to address?
1: Yeah, you know, the 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 real group that we feel is the best fit is if you're a startup company and you're doing early stage drugs, devices, diagnostics or digital health, um, you're going to be a really good fit for us because we've been doing it for about over a decade. We have a, a group of investors and licensing partners that basically follow us around the different geographies we bring Resi to, and they use Resi as a way to source uh, technology assets for either their portfolios or their product pipelines. So I think you know when when you look at what we've got in a broader sense, you know we've created an open platform, and we have an incredible amount of reach. And you know you can go to our website, Life Science Nation. You can go to our resi conferences and you can, you know, go into the past program guides and just see all of the people from all over the world that come to the different resis. And they're basically there to source technology assets. And uh, we have a really good community that does that.
0: For these events to work well, you need a certain critical mass, but if they're too big, they can be unruly. Is there a sweet spot? How big as the Resi event, and are these limited to formal meetings, or is there an opportunity for things to happen more casually as well? Yeah, that's a great, great point. Um, we were talking earlier
1: about, you know, you can have these gigantic events, 30,000, 40,000 people, and even a 10,000 person or a 5,000 person event can can really be overwhelming. Um, and so our Resi events are typically hovering between 600 and 1,000 attendees, and which makes it a lot more informal, a lot more community-based. And sometimes we will have 1,200 or 1,400 if it's something like one of the uh, conferences we do at in tandem with the, the J.P. Morgan event. But um, because we have a smaller venue and uh, they tend to be a little bit more crowded, it's really easy to bump into people which translates to a bunch of ad hoc meetings that can happen and do. And so when we, we talk to people, you know, we, we have great relationships with the NIH and a lot of tech hubs and incubators and accelerators, and they, they send these cohorts. You know, we're getting, I think, 15 or so from Canada and uh, uh, Ontario, and we'll be getting some groups from uh Career in, in Australia, and we always say like, how many meetings did you get scheduled? And you can go into the partnering system, and if you can get twelve to fifteen meetings scheduled, that's really good. And if you can get you know fifteen to twenty meetings, that's even better. Um, but then it's the you know, the second question is how many scheduled meetings did you have, and then how many ad hoc uh, meetings were you able to get? And that's really you know what makes the Resi events kind of interesting because we're very informal in the nature and uh, of just the attitude that we have about bringing early stage companies and the partners who seek them together. And it feels like a community and there's a lot of helpful things that go on. We'll have, you know, a dozen or so panels and workshops. And um, all of the panels and workshops are, if it's a pharma workshop it's like let us tell you how we source technology assets how we do business if it's a vc let us tell you what we look for in in people we invest in if it's a family office let us tell you what we're interested in how we vet you and how we work with our kols so every single uh, workshop and panel they're all about how to teach the early stage companies who are seeking the early stage do- dollars seed to series a how do they work with them? And so it's very, very structured that way. But as a result of it, a person can go to a meeting with, a, with five really famous uh, BD folks from pharma and they can go after in the meeting and say, hey, can you tell me more about, you know I, I've got this, this, this really cool cell gene technology and I really wanna understand you know, how, how to get deeper into your company. And the executive will stop and take the time and have a chat with them right there and then. So that happens a lot. There's a a sense of community that's been developed because there's a lot of camaraderie between the investors and licensing partners who are using us to source assets. So they all kind of know each other. And there's a, a there's a real friendly, you know, you don't have to come up to me and say, oh, excuse me, can I beg for a second of your time? You can just go up to them and say, let me introduce myself, give you an elevator pitch, and can you help me out? And there's going to be a really good welcoming vibe. And and that's something that we've we've developed uh, organically, and it's just turned out that way, but it
0: works really, really good. Well, what does it take for people to be successful at partnering events? What guidance would you offer to startups in terms of the time and effort they need to put into these types of meetings to come out with a deal?
1: Yeah. You know, Dan, it's like, it's going to take nine to 18 months unless you're incredibly lucky or have some great contacts uh, that can, you know, get things done quicker. And, you know, you can't go to one or two events a year. You've just got to get out of the office and it's a pure numbers game and you've got to get in front of people and and you've got to kiss a lot of frogs and that's just the way it goes. And because it's a numbers game, you've got to commit to leaving your region and it takes time and money. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. And then, you know, you combine that with the ebb and flowing of sometimes it's dry and sometimes there's a lot of meetings and you've got to just navigate and fight your way through. But the people who are dedicated and who do their homework and 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 really, you know, know they're in it for the long haul, they're going to do really good.
0: There are a lot of partnering conferences. As a startup, how do you know what the right one is for you? Yeah, you know the
1: um the noise in the marketplace I think we're talking at the top of the show here is is just overwhelming and everybody's got the exact same message, you know, broadcasting a similar message and even though they're all completely different, uh they're all saying the exactly the same thing. So uh, a startup will go to a later stage conference, and there'll be content about the FDA and reimbursement and payer-provider dynamics, and you know, which is all good content. But the startup is years away from needing that kind of knowledge. They they need to figure out, you know. How do they find a service provider, get to next milestone? How can they find some money to get from seed to series A to series B? So they're not anywhere near commercialization. And there's a whole bunch of different topics that's relevant to them. So I always say, you know, know who you are and what you're trying to accomplish. Map out like who the people you would like to talk to. If you could make a couple of wishes, just get a piece of paper, make a list of like, these are the people I want to talk to at these 20 or 30 companies, and then go match that list uh, with conferences that say that they're having those kind of people there. Um, You have to find a partner event that fits your sector and product. And, you know, I have a recommendation to startups. I was working with um, some folks at the NIH one time, one of the divisions of the departments over there, and they said, Dennis, my startups don't have the money and they don't even know what they're supposed to do and what their colleagues are doing because they're so early. So we created this thing called an audience access pass. I think you can get it for like $595 or something. So I always tell people that are unsure of like, how do you check out a conference and what it is? And you know what do I do there? just get your foot in the door, walk around, go see what all the other CEOs, all your peers and colleagues are doing. When you go to a Resi conference, you can see like 60 CEOs pitching to uh, panels of investors. And if you're a startup company and you get to go see, you know, 20 or 30 CEOs uh, pitching and how they do it and, 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 and what they're Uh, what they've learned and and how they've netted out their story and and how they're dealing with the investors. You can really learn a lot by that. And then we have like this thing called the Innovation Challenge. So there'll be like 60 posters of early stage companies that get selected. You know, they've been vetted. They've got milestones. They've got some cool technology. Uh, They put up a poster board. And then, you know, you can see how they set up their, their company and set up their story to tell. And, you know, you can go up and meet them and talk to them. So my my advice is go to the partnering panels, go to the workshops, go walk around. And, and when you go to a resi conference, if you see some CEOs, just, you know, go to their poster board and say, hey, I'm I think you're a year or two ahead of me. You know, tell me what I need to know. And I guarantee it, you will be shocked that anybody you ask for help will will take some time and give you some advice.
0: What advice would you offer life science entrepreneurs attending the conference about how they can best ensure their success?
1: Yeah, I mean, my first thing is, you know, you really need to get your story straight, you know, have a compelling narrative, take the time to think about you, the founder, your team, your product, and all the magic and great things that happened and. How to get your authentic voice and and your your narrative so you got a compelling story and it's netted out and you really understand how to deliver it um, because you don't want to waste people's time so if you take the time and do your homework and get cogent and lucid and you can deliver something that makes sense quickly uh, everyone's real smart they'll get what you do and they'll they'll give you some some advice. But once you get your story straight, you have to translate it to your marketing collateral. So I'm a big fan of, you know, one-page data sheet, two-page executive summary, 10 to 12-page PowerPoint that, you know, for some reason, some people like data sheets, some like exec summaries, some like PowerPoint. So we've, over the years, just say, you know, put them all uh, somewhere on the Internet where they can. you can send them all three in an email and they can click on whichever one. They, they feel comfortable on. But the whole point of all your collateral is to be able to make it easy for a, a person that you're going after to say yes. And if you do it right, they can look at your tagline or your elevator pitch and they can go, Oh, I need to talk to these folks. So it's like getting your marketing collateral straight and your story straight. Um, also, we, you know, we touched just a little bit, but getting a list of the 600 to 800 global partner targets, we call it the global target list that fit your stage of development and product and taking the time to do that. And anybody can call us uh, in your audience and we can, we're happy to show them all of the investors and partners that we know that are a fit for them. And um they, they need to learn email and phone canvassing. And if they don't want to learn that, they really need to find somebody that can do it for them. And that's really where it breaks down. You know, it's like getting your story straight, doing some canvassing. And then the the fourth one here is just, you know, really understanding how to follow up. So If you're the CEO and a startup of a company, maybe you're not the one to go do the phone calls and the email canvassing and setting up the meetings, but you can have somebody do it for you if you get your collateral in place. And, um, you know, the, the basis is start a dialogue with somebody that's a fit for your stage of development in your product set. If that goes well, it'll create more meetings that will turn into a relationship and that relationship, hopefully, sometime will turn into a transaction. But it's a, it's a journey. It's a hard path, but it's worth it.
0: And where can people learn more about the upcoming RESI conference?
1: Oh, so uh, we have a conference coming up on September 18th in Boston at the Park Plaza uh, in Back Bay. And its uh, program guide should be out actually this week. And uh, you can go to uh, ResiConference.com and find out a lot more. But it's going to be a great conference. So anybody who's looking for Seed Series A or Series B, uh, give us a call.
0: Check out our lineup. Uh, I think you'll find it worthwhile. Dennis Ford, founder and CEO of Life Science Nation. Dennis, thanks so much for your time today. Dan, so great to talk to you again. I really appreciate everything. Thanks for listening. The Big Four Bio podcast is brought to you by Big Four Bio, a leading aggregator service of the top life sciences regions around the world. To subscribe for free to Big Four Bio's daily newsletters, go to bigfourbio.com. This podcast is produced by the Levine Media Group for Big Four Bio. Our theme music is provided for the podcast by the Jonah Levine Collective and appears on the album Attention Deficit. Alpha Pup Records.